We're going to John chapter 3, verses 17 through to 19. And once you're there in your Bible, if you have one, uh, would you stand? If you don't, you can stand with me tonight. But we're going to read God's Word. It's on the board here tonight, if you can see it. We're going to audibly read God's Word together. It's God's Word, and God's Word is powerful. And we pray that the Lord will quicken it. So once you're there in John 3, 17 through to 19, we'll stand and we'll read it together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you can, that's great. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's read God's Word together. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So, Lord, tonight we pray that you would speak, Lord, with the voice that wakes the dead. Lord, give ears, give help, give understanding tonight. Lord, anoint your word, glorify your name, save souls, Lord, deliver the oppressed, set the captive free. Lord, glorify your name among us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. In these few verses that we've read tonight, there, are, there is a word that is mentioned four times. For God sent not His Son into the world, and this is the first time it's mentioned, to condemn the world, but that the world might, through Him, that is through Jesus, that the world might be saved. That word means delivered. He that believeth on him, the Bible says, this is the second time it's used, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned, that's the third time already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Four times this word condemned is mentioned in these three verses. The word condemned simply means to be sentenced or to be punished for sin. Condemnation. There's a, there's a sentence that hangs over our lives. And Jesus came that men would believe in Him, that through Him that men and women would be saved, set free from the power of sin, and so they would not be condemned. The truth is simply this tonight, that every person that is born has a sentence of death upon them. They're born into sin. They are already condemned. The Bible tells us that great verse in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn us because we are already condemned. We are born with a sentence of death because of our sin. That's what we're born into. We're born in sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned, 
and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 5 and 12, it tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We're born sinners. We're born condemned. There's a sentence of death upon us. And Jesus came into the world, not to condemn the world because we're already condemned, but that through Jesus we might be saved. That's the purpose of his mission. I want to talk about a woman tonight. It could have been a man, but it is a woman. In John chapter 8, and what happened in this chapter is very significant because I want to show you the difference tonight between Christianity and religion. Because many people are trusting in religion, trusting in religious institutions. But tonight there is a, there is a great difference between religion and Christianity. We're opening here in John chapter 8 with Jesus coming from the Mount of Olives and going to the temple. And all the people had gathered together unto him, and he sat down, and he began to teach them. They were attracted to the Lord, his teachings, the life that he lived, the words that he spoke, the power over sin and over death and over sickness, and men and women and children would come because he had the words of eternal life. He was the one that could set them free. He was the attraction that Jesus changed lives by his awesome power. And so there was a large crowd that sat with the Lord and he began to teach them. And then it tells us in verse 3 of John chapter 8 that there was a group of men, they were known as the scribes and the Pharisees. These were religious men. On the outward they looked as though they had everything together, but on the inward they were empty, but they were priding themselves on their religion. The Bible says that the scribes and the Pharisees brought on to Jesus a woman that had been taken in adultery. When they sat her down in the midst, I want you to see this tonight because it could have been a man, but it was a woman. But these religious men, this is what religion will do. They brought this woman caught in her sin right into the midst of this large group of men. And the Lord was teaching these people, and there they sat this woman who was a sinner right in the midst of this great crowd before the Lord. And all these religious men were standing with all their garments and all their outward appearance, and there is this woman that had been caught in the act of this sin, taken in adultery. And they said to the Lord, Lord, this woman has been taken in adultery. In the very act, we have caught her red-handed. She's a sinner. Now Moses in the law commanded us that this woman should be stoned to death. But Lord, what do you say? Now remember, the Lord has not come into the world to condemn the world, but the world, that the world, that the world through him might be saved. It's all fine. Don't be worrying. It's all fine. There's no panic. Praise the Lord. We pray that the Lord would touch that life tonight. That's why we're here. There's hope. Such were some of you. Praise the Lord that we've been washed in the blood. There's hope for that young man. There's hope in this room tonight. We're not offended. We're not moved. We're not challenged. God have mercy because God has mercy in us. Praise the Lord. He may be a preacher standing in this pulpit someday preaching the gospel. That's the power of God. Don't be distracted, friends. It's fine. And here's this woman that's standing, this theater, if you like, 
of religion. This theater that religion had put together to bring her before the Lord, to try in some way to catch the Lord out. And there's this woman standing. She'd been caught in the act. A sinner, condemned and unclean. Lord, what would you do? You see, the Bible tells us that there are laws. It's called the Ten Commandments. And they were rightly, in some ways, bringing the law to the Lord. He's the one that carved it in the stones. Now they're saying, look at this woman. She's broken the seventh commandment. It might have been for some of us tonight. It might have been other commandments. But we've all broken one of the commandments at least. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not covet their neighbor's house. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And perhaps... We can all identify, we should, because every one of us have broken the law, God's law, the Ten Commandments. What does that do to us, Sarah? Simply, the Bible tells us clearly in Galatians chapter 3 that because of the knowledge of the law, in Galatians 3, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. In other words, there's the effect of the law. The effect of the law brings the revelation that we're sinners. We have broken God's law. But after faith has come, after we're saved, praise God, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. And so the law was effective. They were using the law against this woman. And the Lord could see what they were doing, this religious act. But I want to show you something that's very powerful. That is the difference between religion and Christianity. True Christianity. We have a woman here standing. I would say that she's trembling. I would say that she's ashamed. I would say that she's being mocked and elevated by this religious crowd and lifted up as a failure in some ways. We have this group of religious Pharisees and Sadducees and they're calling on the Lord to do something. This woman deserves her punishment. We'll stone her. Do you know, in this world, there are 4,000, over 4,000 religions, over 4,000 religions. Right around us in this country, there are religions everywhere. We have Islam that's sweeping across most of Europe, right into England, many places that were once churches raised up to the glory of God, dedicated to the preaching of the gospel, have become mosques, swept across the nations of the world. Allah and God are not the same. Thank God there is one God, Jehovah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hinduism believes in many gods. Buddhism shares many similarities with Hinduism. People are on that wheel of life, living a life and doing their works, and hopefully when they die, they're rebirthed or reincarnated, and they'll live another life in another body as another being. And so their works is to get into a better life, or Shintoism in Japan, or the Sikhs, or Judaism. One of the smallest religions in the world Soroastrian, you may have known about it years ago. There was a very famous a pop star. There was one 
His name was Freddie Mercury. So all these religions with all these founders and all these core individuals at the start and the beginning of them, you know one thing that they have in common? That all their leaders are dead and buried and gone. The uniqueness of the Christian faith is this. That our founder, that our cornerstone, God's only begotten Son came into the world, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died, the only one to die for his people on a cruel cross 2,000 years ago. And praise the Lord, he rose again the third day and he lives forever. He's alive. That's the difference between the religions of this world and Christianity. Jesus Christ is alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's not looking for our works. He's not looking for us to crawl over mountains. He's not looking for us to give our money to the poor. He's not looking for us to beat ourselves to try and reach salvation. Thank God he paid the price for me. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. The uniqueness of Christianity in this world of multi-faiths that we're living in. The word Christian was first found in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. It says at Antioch, when it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves together with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. What is a Christian? What is a Christian? Do you know, I would say, and you would agree, most likely that if we went out in this town tonight, done a survey and knocked many doors, and ask people, are you a Christian? I would say that probably eight, seven or eight out of ten people would say, yes, I'm a Christian. But what is a Christian? The word Christ is anointed. They're followers of the anointed one, those that have been born of the Spirit of God, accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. They've repented of their sin and their desire is to live a life according to God's Word to please the Lord. That's a Christian, someone who's been born again, someone who's repented of their sin, someone who's put their faith and their trust on what Christ has done for them on the cross 2,000 years ago, on the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ that are washed in the blood of Jesus, that are trusting alone in all that he's done, not of themselves, not of their own works, but simply through faith. They believe that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again on the third day, and their lives have been transformed by the power of the new birth. That's a Christian. That's a Christian. They're not trusting in their works. They're trusting in the finished work. That's a Christian. There is no other religion in this world where their founder, leader, came into this world, died on that cross, was buried and rose again. He died literally for his people. There is no other religion. Muhammad did not die on the cross. Buddha did not die on the cross. Hare Krishna did not die on the cross. Mary did not die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. And he rose again the third day. He defeated death and hell itself and the devil. 
And He rose triumphant and He's come to offer us salvation. The free gift of salvation. We're condemned. There's a sentence upon us of death because of sin. And the punishment of death after the punishment of sin after death in a place called hell. And He hasn't come to condemn us. He's come into the world to save us. To save us from our sin. To save us from ourselves. It's a free gift of salvation. The free gift of salvation. And here is the Lord's looking upon this woman. Religion or pointing out her faults. Someone prayed it tonight. There but for the grace of God go I. There but for the grace of God. Religion points out the sin points out the sinner, points out the state, points out the, the condition. But thank God that Christ looks into the heart and sees a soul that is lost. It's come into the world to save sinners. Are you glad you're saved tonight? Amen. And so they say to him, Lord, this woman, look at her. Can you see the theater? Can you see the spectacle of religion? Can you see them? Look at this woman, Lord. She's broken the seventh commandment. Lord, she's worthy. She deserves death. Do you know what it says that the Lord did? It's so profound. It's so wonderful. It simply says that Jesus stooped down. That Jesus stooped down. He bowed himself to the ground. You see, in all the maneuvering and the manipulation of religion, and you're so glad that Jesus is ahead of it all. He sees their hearts. He sees their ways. He sees all the activity of what they're up to. And simply he stoops down. Do you know, I'm so thankful that Jesus stooped down. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ stooped down. I'm so thankful that he stooped and he came to me. I'm so thankful that he stooped way down low into the pit and the depths of sin and he stooped down to where I was. He, he stooped down and began to write on the ground. It doesn't tell us what he penned. But you know, I just believe that it's a, such a picture of Christ, the eternal Son, when He left the splendor of glory and He came into this sin-cursed world for you, friend, and for me. He stooped away down low. Are you thankful? Do you appreciate the fact that Jesus stooped down? And with His finger, He began to write on the ground if though He didn't hear what they were saying. It's as though we didn't listen to their accusations. I'm thankful tonight that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And here he stoops down and he says one of the most profound lines that I believe that you could possibly hear in the Gospels. As the kangaroo court is set, as the religious mob have brought this poor woman before him, he seeing into the depths of their hearts. He knowing what was in man. That's what the Bible says. 
He simply says these words, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. It's powerful. It's so profound. Religion's terrible. You see, the Bible says that man looks on the outward, but you know, God looks on the heart. You see, he's seen into the hearts of all those religious men that were standing there, pointing their finger that this woman had openly been caught, but God could see every one of their hearts. And he says to them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. He could see into the depths of their beings. He could see their sin. He could see their pride. He could see their religion. Yes, she's condemned. But the reason Jesus had come was not to condemn the woman, but that through him this woman could be saved. Thank God tonight for the power that there is in the blood of Jesus Christ to save a man from all sin. If someone is religious, of course, they're very proud because they believe they will attain salvation through their own good works. And we have a nation that's filled with it, trusting in their denomination, trusting in their religion, trusting in the label that they were given when they were a birth. But this is what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we not cast out devils? And in your name have we not done wonderful things? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Why? Because they were trusting in their works. They were trusting in being a good Catholic or being a good Protestant. You ask most Protestants today, they don't know what the word Protestant means. They're trusting in their religious works. The Lord says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, all our own righteousness, all our own works, they are as filthy rags. They account for nothing. But Tim, I've been so faithful for so many years. I pray, I, I read my Bible, I, I go to church as much as I can. I give money when I can, but I'm trusting in everything of what I've done. I want to tell you, friends, all your religious works will bring you to nothing except a lost eternity without Christ. But Tim, I've been faithful. I've gone on mission trips when they sent us out with the youth group. I went to the youth club. I went to all these things. And I've done many things. And we've done outreaches. And we went on, on trips and everything else. And yet, in the midst of it all, you've never been born again. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never been saved. You're trusting in your works. You're condemned. There's a sentence of death upon you. And not only the sentence of death, but after death the eternal judgment of God. What are you trusting in? What are you believing in? What are you holding to? Christ Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, the question is tonight, it's so simple. Are you saved? Are you saved? Not what church do you go to, not what religion do you belong to, not, not how much you read or not how much you pray or how much you give. The question is tonight, are you saved? 
Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Are you saved? That's the question. Are you saved? That's the most important question that you must answer in your life. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? That's the question you must answer. Jesus came into the world not to condemn you. It's not like the religious tonight that wants to beat you over the head and, and stone you to death. Jesus came into the world that's through him that you might be saved. Isn't it great to be saved? Isn't it great to be saved? No greater thing that can happen to you in your life is that you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as your own and your personal Savior, that you're saved and you can be saved tonight. That's the wonder of it all. You can be saved tonight by grace alone. But then what must I do? Have I to become religious? Have I to go out and do this, that? And no, friend, you just surrender your life to Jesus Christ in this very hall tonight. Ask him into your heart, repent of your sin, put your faith and trust in what he's done for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. And if you mean it in your heart, he'll save you. He'll save you in an instant. It's great to be saved. 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 Then he stooped down again and he wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. You see, I want to, I want to explain something very simple tonight. When Jesus spoke to those religious men and said, Which one of you would cast the first stone? Do you know what happened? Something happened in their hearts. They were convicted. They were convicted. You know, it is a wonderful thing to be convicted of sin. And that's what the Holy Ghost, that's why the Holy Ghost has come to convict the world of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come to be convicted of sin. Convicted that we're sinners. Now we're transgressors of the law, the Ten Commandments. We've all sinned. We've broken the commandments of God. We fall short of God's standard. We're sinners. Convicted. Convicted. And it tells us one by one they went out, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And here is just a wonderful encounter. It just says these words, And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. Wow. Just Jesus and this woman. Can I tell you tonight, it's just between you and Jesus. It's not between you and your friend and Jesus, not between you and the person beside you and Jesus. It's simply between you and Jesus tonight. There's the woman, and Jesus lifted up himself, and he saw none but the woman, and he said to her, Where's your accusers? They've all gone. Had no man condemned thee? And she says, No man, Lord. And Jesus says, Neither do I condemn thee. And he said these words, and this is so important, to faith in Christ. Go and sin no more. 
That's a word that's called repentance. That's a powerful word. The power of repentance. Go and sin no more. If you're sincere in your heart tonight to give your life to Jesus, to repent of your sin, to leave your sin at the foot of the cross, to be washed in the blood of Jesus, to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ tonight, He calls us to repentance. Give your life, give your sin, give your life to Him. Repent of your sin. Give it all to the Lord tonight. He'll wash you in His own precious blood and you can be saved. Leave this room saved. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You can leave here tonight saved. Walking in the light. Free from the power of sin. Not only the power of sin present, but the consequences of sin, the punishment of sin to come. Friends, what a gospel. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Sinners. Praise the Lord tonight. He hasn't come to condemn you. Religion will. But he's come. You see, friends, those two young men tonight, oh, I pray that God would just save them. And raise them up as a trophy of grace. See, religion would say there's no room for them. But I want to tell you there's plenty of room for them here. Doesn't disturb me. Doesn't upset me. Doesn't really matter. They're swinging their hands and dancing about. But see in a moment, see in a moment, God can reach into that heart and save those two young men and set them wonderfully free. How do I know that? Because I'm looking at a whole host of people tonight that the Son set you free. Amen. And if the Son set you free, we're free indeed. See, religion would say there's no place, but I want to tell you there is. I want to tell you there is. And tonight, the religious might say, look at these two. I want to tell you something, friend. There but for the grace of God go any of us. Are you saved? Are you saved? Oh, to be saved in this hall tonight to give your life to Jesus. Oh, to be saved. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. So in this room tonight, if you're not saved, but you know that the Lord is speaking to you, and you'd like to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to be saved. You want to be saved. You desire to give your heart to Him, to repent of your sin, to trust fully in all that He's done for you on the cross 2,000 years ago, all that He's done, not what you've done, what He's done. And that's your desire tonight. I'm going to pray. And in your heart, if you pray, and believe this in your heart tonight as we pray, you speak to us afterwards and we'd like to pray with you point you to the Lord. But let's everyone pray tonight. And if you prayed this prayer in your heart, you just stop me on the way out and say, Tim, I prayed that prayer tonight. I prayed that prayer afresh in my heart. I'm trusting in what he's done for me. So Father, tonight we just come before you. We thank you for Jesus. 
Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the precious blood that was shed. Lord, I thank you tonight, Lord, for every life in this room. And Lord, I pray. Lord, I just make this prayer as a prayer, Lord, for those that are among us that desire to pray and give their life to you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I repent of my sin. I give my life to you. I thank you for dying for me 2,000 years ago on that cross that you, were, that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again for my sin. And Lord, I put my faith and my trust in that finished work. I pray that you would wash me in your precious blood, cleanse me from all sin. Lord, I repent. I ask you to forgive me for all the sins of my life. I pray, O oh God, tonight that you would save me and wash me. Oh, wash me in that precious blood tonight. Save me, I pray. Lord, I pray that by the power of the Spirit of God, Lord, that hearts tonight, oh God, would be born of the Spirit. Lives would be saved. Oh God, tonight we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together tonight. Amen. Johnny and Jillian, praise the Lord. Amen. Paula, amen. Thank you, Lord. Sing that chorus again that we started with, He came to me, He came to me.